Good morning. We're going to be in Matthew 18 today, so if you have your Bible, you can flip over there. If not, it'll be on the wall here in just a moment. But we started a series um, a few weeks ago about coming back, um, kind of kicked it off three weeks ago at the beginning of this year. And as I was praying towards what God would do that morning um, and what he would have me to say, it was just the this idea that God put in my heart that you, you need to tell them that this that they can come back. That this could be a year that, that people can come back to me. Um, I had so many conversations last year, and I think some of those were me to others, and some of those were others to me. And it was like, man, I just don't feel close to God. I just don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I just don't feel like, like, I'm, like, I'm, like I'm where I need to be. And, man, that, that I think for some of us was 2019. Just I don't feel close. I'm far away. This is not the best year I've ever had. This has been a rough patch a rough moment and and at the end of that just what an amazing thing that God would say it doesn't always have to be that way that that anybody everybody they they can come back that there's nothing keeping us there that today we can actually take a step back towards Jesus and what what an amazing thing that is and this morning we're going to continue on that thought in Matthew 18 Matthew or the gospel of Matthew is this narrative story of Jesus's life is told by the disciple Matthew, a guy who was actually there and eyewitness to a lot of these things, and an amazing thought that, that Matthew or Levi, who we read about last week, right, this tax collector is called into following Jesus, and then God uses somebody who most people would consider out of reach, somebody who most people would consider like a, never going to be able to come to God, so far gone they can never come back, that God would use that person to actually tell the story of Jesus. It's, it's such an amazing thing, and in, Matthew 18, we see that the disciples come to Jesus and they have this question for Jesus. They come to Jesus and it says in verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what we see is the disciples don't want to know like the hierarchy of heaven. They're not like, hey, is it like God on top or Jesus on top or Holy Spirit on top? Like who's the boss in heaven? That's not what they're asking. Uh, They don't actually even care about that. They're not being spiritually minded at all in this moment. What's happened is they've got into a dispute over which one of them is the greatest in God's kingdom. What, what a crazy thought, right? Here's these men who have been following Jesus. We're like 18 chapters in. That's been a while, right? Uh, and they've been following Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They've, they've participated in all these things. And somehow they decide like one of us has to be the boss, right? Like one of us has to be Leonardo. Like I want to be the Blue Ninja Turtle. Or one of us has to be the Red Ranger. Like somebody in here has to be the leader. And, and you, you know, you laugh at that. But in reality, like that's how we're built, right? Like who everybody wants to be the big deal. Everybody wants to be the person who's in charge. Everybody wants to be the one who, like, my opinion is the word, the law. Like, everybody wants to be that person, or at least for a lot of us, we do. Maybe not in every area of our life, but in a lot of areas of our life. And here's these men, and they're like, man, what matters today is me. So so I think I'm the best. And they're like, no, 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 I'm the best. No, I'm, I'm John. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And then Peter's like, but I'm the one who said he's the Messiah. And you see how, like, it gets into this squabble of, like, who's the best? And there's sitting here fighting around it, a bunch of grown men. And then they, they're like, well, well, let's just ask Jesus. Jesus will tell us who he loves the best. Jesus will tell us who's the boss. Jesus will tell us who's in charge. And they go to Jesus and they ask him this question, who's the greatest right, in your kingdom? Which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
Now, see, there's a problem with their question, right? They're going to Jesus and asking which one of them is the greatest. There's already an issue here. They're going to the greatest and they're reflecting on, on their self. They're coming to Jesus and they're like, hey, I just want to know, like, who's the boss? Is Peter the boss? And Jesus is like, you guys are nuts. Is, is John the boss? You don't get it. Like, can you imagine, like, the, the, the silliness of this conversation? They're coming before Jesus, who, who's the one who's in charge, who is the boss, who's, who's the big deal. He's the important one. He's the one that everything should be about. And, and they're making everything about them. So Jesus, who's, who's, who's the boss? Who, who's in charge? I would imagine maybe Jesus cracked a smile at this moment um, because, man, we're 18 chapters in and these guys don't get it. Right? We're like 10 chapters from the end of the book right now and these guys don't get it. There's already been miracles, amazing things at this point in time. They, they, they have a pretty good idea of at least who they think Jesus is and they still don't get it. We may today in the room be 18 chapters in and still not get it. We may today possibly, don't know, been to church our whole life and still think for some reason it's all about us. We may today have been to all the Sunday school classes and all the Wednesday night churches and all the Sunday night churches and all the Sunday mornings and we may have never missed one. We may know all the songs and we may know how to dress and we still may think for some reason any little piece of this is about us. Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't you think I'm important? I've walked on water with you, Jesus. Don't you think I'm important? It's a silly conversation. But man, I've seen it so many times. So this is what Jesus does. It says in two, he calls a child to him. He, just a child standing around the city. He brings him over and, he's, and he makes him stand among all these guys. I'm going to paraphrase a couple of verses, but Jesus looks at him and he's like, unless you're converted, we're 18 chapters in, we've professed that he's the Messiah. And he looks at these guys who have been living in Jesus' life for a couple of years now. And he's like, unless you're converted, you're acting like you don't get it right now. <laughs> and you become like this child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. What's Jesus saying in that? He's saying, you guys, I called you and you're still acting like you don't get it. Remember, you used to be in the boat and here we are and you're still thinking it's about you and you don't get it. Uh, you got to be more like this kid. Now, I've heard this preached like a couple times and a lot of times it's like you got to be innocent like this child. That's not, by the way, what Jesus is talking about. If you just read context, that's why context in the Bible is so important. He actually tells them what he's talking about in the very next verse. And, you know, like we've, we've heard it preached, it's innocence or it's, it's faith, right? Like kids just believe anything. Like that's why you got to teach your kids early on. Like, hey, the guy with candy is probably not somebody you need to go with just because they, they have candy. Like that's probably not it. Like, like kids just believe anything, right? Like that's not it. It's not about faith. It's not about innocence. It's about humility. And he, and he says that in the very next verse. Right? He's like, you got to be humble like this kid. You got to be humble like this kid. This kid's not standing over here trying to be important. <laughs> you got to be like this kid. He's not, he's not worried about his importance. Actually, most people probably didn't even notice the kid was standing over there because they were too busy worried about like who's the most important. And Jesus brings this kid over and he's like, hey, you, you got to be like this kid. You got to be humble. You got to humble yourself. 
You've got to humble yourself. You've got to realize today that it's not about you. It's about more than you. It's about something greater than you. Humility, by the way, is not looking down on yourself. Jesus is not saying, you know, cut yourself down, call yourself an idiot. That, that's not even humility. That's pride masked as humility because you're still only talking about you. Um, humility is when you consider others more important than yourself. It's not all about me. It's about somebody else. It's about something else. It's about that guy or that person. And Jesus says, hey, that's what my people should look like. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. And if you don't get that, maybe you've never got it. It's not all about you. 18 chapters in, we should know it's about something greater than us at this point in time. And here Jesus is having a conversation with these 12 guys and he's saying, it's not all about you. Message for us today. This is not even where we're going. This is a side note in the message today. But I want you to know from God, it's not all about you. It's not about your preferences and your likes and your wants. Like we take something that is wholly and completely about God and we're like, I'm more important. I've seen it done so many times in the church. It's always church people. I don't like that translation. I don't like that music. I don't like that blah, 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 blah. That's fine. It was written for you anyway. You don't have to like the music, right? Like, I think everybody here probably likes the music. I'm not attacking anybody. If you didn't know the music was like this when you showed up in this place, then you wouldn't have probably came back the next time. But we're seeing a lot of normals today. So I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not about you. Worship is something that's holy about God. And we're like, well, I don't like this song. It's on both sides of the field, right? Like some people are like, I don't like hymns. I don't like hymns. I don't like hymns. That's great. Nobody wrote them for you. Victory in Jesus, not victory in Brad, right? Like it's not about me. It's his name's in the thing. And then some people are like, I don't like those old songs. I don't like those. I don't like those words. Well, that's great. Nobody wrote them for you. Doesn't matter if you like the new songs or the old songs. It doesn't really matter because they're worship songs. They're about God. And as long as the lyrics are uplifting to God, it's not about you. Seen churches split over it. <laughs> I've seen churches split over dumber stuff, right? Like, I don't like that carpet. I'm not coming here anymore. That carpet, I don't, red's a dumb color. I don't want to come to a place with red carpet. That's great. It's not about you. Luckily, there's churches with other color carpets that we can go to. It's not about you. It's not about you. Those are dumb examples, and I could go on all day long, but, but this is, these are these silly arguments, right? Like, who's the most important? Whose opinion is most important? Who's, who, who, who's the most important to you? Jesus. And it's like, man, Jesus is the most important. It's about him. It's about something greater than us. And then the message the church, every one of us need to learn today above everything else is it's not about you. And that's not just true here. Tomorrow, it's not about you. Tuesday, it's not about you. Wednesday, it's not about you. Thursday, it's not about you. Friday, it's not about you. Saturday, it's not about you. See, when you've been pulled into a kingdom that's greater than you, you're a piece of something that's bigger than you, and it's about something that's more than you. And if you're going to make everything in life about you, you are living today for the wrong person. And he looks at these guys and he's like, hey, I need you to know today, if you're going to do this thing, if they're going to call you my disciples, if, if they're going to say you're mine, you need to get over yourself. And you need to realize today, it ain't about you. You need to be like this kid. 
You need to realize it's not about your preferences, your wants, your desires. It's about something bigger than you. Humble yourself. See, that's the mentality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a, is a kingdom where we have one leader, one person in charge, one greater. And all of us are like, man, I'm just privileged to be here. I don't even know how I got in the door today. It's by grace that I'm saved. Uh, I shouldn't have been invited into here. It's not about me. I, I snuck in the back door. Like, it is not about me. It's about something greater than me. And then Jesus says, here's how you get great in the kingdom of God. You make yourself less. Humility is the pathway to greatness in the kingdom of God. You want to do something great in the kingdom of God, quit thinking about yourself. There's people that we'll never know their names until we get to heaven. That God is going to applaud publicly, I believe, because of what they did. And we didn't even know their names here. There's missionaries that gave their life for the cause of Christ that went to somewhere they knew for sure they'd be killed just for the chance that somebody might see the gospel because it wasn't about them. It was about him. And he's like, that's what greatness in the kingdom of God looks like. You want to do something in the kingdom of God, you got to make it about somebody other than you. So this is what he says to him goes through some more teaching and in verse 10 he, he says something that maybe some of us overlook a lot of times see that you don't look down on one of these little ones because i tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my father in heaven now i'm not going to dive deep into that today because it's kind of extra from what we're talking about but it seems today that Jesus is teaching, right, that we have the, the guardian angel thing, right? That there is something in heaven that, that's representing us before God. And Daniel, he talks about how nations have angels and those angels represent those nations before God. And here Jesus seems to teach that, that we, in fact, also have a representative before God. And I do want to say this is not your grandma, um, you don't become an angel when you die. Angels are totally separate people. And if you believe in reincarnation, then you believe that you turn into an angel, just like you would believe that maybe you would turn into a zebra. It's not a, not a thing. Angels are a completely different being. But he teaches here that we apparently have that represent, representative. In 11, which is where we're going today, I just didn't want to skip that. It says, for the Son of Man has come to save the lost. Jesus just drops this into the conversation. Hey, be humble. It's not about you. And then he drops in this little nugget of truth in 11. I've come to save lost people. I've come to save lost people. And you're like, what does that have to do with any of this, right? Who's the greatest in, in, in this group? Who's the big deal in this group? Jesus says, it's not about you. Remember what I came for. I came to save lost people. Maybe we should all get that like on a shirt or put it on the wall somewhere because we forget that so often. We forget that Jesus came to save lost people and somehow we flipped that into Jesus come to entertain us. Jesus came to make it about us. Jesus came to give us our preferences and our wants and our desires. And Jesus is like, it's not about that. 
I'm a good father and I spoil my kids and there's some level of something that I do in your lives that, that, that you're going to be like, man, that's amazing. That's what grace is. But, but primarily, Jesus says, I came to save lost people. I didn't come to, to, to primarily heal people, although Jesus does that. We've seen it all through the Gospels. I didn't come primarily to teach like Jesus is an amazing teacher. They say nobody's ever taught like this guy before. I don't know how many times in the Gospels, but that's not what he came for. It's just what he does while he's here. Jesus came to love people. That's true. And he came primarily to show that through salvation. There's a bigger piece than, oh, God loves everybody. Okay, you're leaving out half the story. How does he love everybody? Well, he loves everybody through the cross. It's like John 3, 16, the verse that we all know. We're sinners. We don't deserve it. God came to save us. There's a piece there that we leave out so often. And Jesus is like, hey, let's reset for a moment. You want to sit around and fight about your preferences, but let's reset for a moment. I came to save people. And then he starts to tell this story in verse 12. It's a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus uses to illustrate a moral or a spiritual point. He loves to teach in parables because it's something we can relate to. And he looks at these guys who would have been very familiar with shepherds, and he begins to tell a story about shepherds. He says, what do you think about this? Or, hey, I want you to think about this. And here's the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go search for the stray? I want you to think about this. Think about about a shepherd. You can relate to that. You've seen that. If a man has a hundred sheep, that's a a lot of sheep, by the way. This is not like a small town shepherd. Like This is not a small town guy. He's He's got an operation. There's a hundred sheep, that's a lot of sheep to feed and take care of and watch over. Like, that's a bunch of sheep. I have one now. Um, at the height of my sheep empire, I've had three. Um, so I've not had a bunch. Um, not a big-time shepherd like this guy. But he has a hundred sheep. That's a lot of sheep. I don't even know how you would count a hundred sheep. Like, there's a hundred, and they all kind of look the same, and they just roam around, and they're moving while you're trying to count them. Like, how are you even going to know? There's a hundred sheep, and then one of those sheep wanders off. It doesn't say how it wandered off because it doesn't really matter how it wandered off. I'm just, you know, like there's a verse about all of us are like sheep, and we've gone astray, each of us to our own way. Like it doesn't really matter how we wander off, how they wander off. They just, they wandered off. Maybe it was like the grass looks great over there. I'm going to go get some of that grass. Or, man, this shepherd is a buzzkill. He gets on my nerves. He won't let me go where I want to go and do what I want to do. It doesn't really matter why the sheep wandered off, but the sheep wandered off, right? Like you had a hundred, and, and all of a sudden now you got 99, and one of those sheep is gone. Think about it. And he goes on. He's like, wouldn't he go leave the 99 and go search for the one? Wouldn't that shepherd, even though he's got so many sheep, like there's 100 sheep, wouldn't he still go after the, this, this lost sheep? That's the question that Jesus throws out there. Right? Like 100 sheep. Like I'd be like, thank God I don't have to feed that one. I don't know where he went, but hey, I don't have to worry about that guy anymore. But he cares about the sheep because they're his sheep. All right, we're still talking shepherd. We're not even talking about Jesus yet. Now, maybe we don't have relation to 
to shepherds because we don't really know very many shepherds, right? Like we don't know probably anybody that has a hundred sheep. But if you've ever owned a, a pet, when that pet something happens to it, you care because it was yours and you care about it, right? Same thing with this guy. Got a hundred sheep, doesn't really matter. I lost one, I want it back. Maybe you don't have pets, so let's just break it down. You ever lost something? Your car keys. I heard a story this morning. I was already planning on talking about it. But like when you lose your car keys, don't you go into freak out mode? Like you may have two sets of car keys. You may still be able to get everywhere. You, you may still be able to get in the house and do the thing because usually it comes with more than one because people lose car keys. But like don't you tear the house apart looking for the car keys? Do you need them? Not necessarily. You have another set. Do you want them? Yeah, you sure do because they're yours. If I had $100 today and I lost a dollar, I, I would want to know where that dollar was. You still got 99 Oh, but man, I was going to get 100 I'm like, getting a bill. I'd, I'd be looking for that dollar. You still got 99 dude, that's greedy. I, I want my dollar. If it was my dollar, I want it. Maybe that's not a big deal to you because you got more money than I got. So if you had... Um, Maybe $120 bills, right? Or $100 bills. I want my $100 bill. (laughs) I don't care that I've still got $9,900 bills. I want that other guy. And you'd search for him because you care about him. You you want it. It's valuable to you. He's like, it's like this with the shepherd. He's got a ton of sheep, yeah. Obviously, he's got 100 sheep. One sheep, and he's still got 99. That's, that's a lot of sheep. You know, there'll be more. But he still cares about that one. He still wants that one. He's still going to search out for that one. He's going to leave the 99. They'll be fine. They're on the hillside. He's going to leave them, and he's going to go check out the spots that this sheep likes to hang out. He's going to go to the pasture next door, and he's going to ask that shepherd, Hey, I, I got a sheep. Have you noticed an extra one? Because I'm missing one. He's going to go down by the creek and check it out. He's going to check in all the pits. Like, did he fall in a pit? Is, is he in a pit? Because if he's in a pit, I'm going to pull him out. I'm going to take him home because I want that sheep. That sheep is valuable to me. I care about that sheep. I, yes, I've got 99, and I love the 99. It doesn't diminish the love for the 99 because he goes after the one. But individually, we have value to the, to the shepherd. He's like, this is what it's like. This is what would happen. He would go after it. He would, he would look for it. He would leave the 99 and he would go after the shepherd, the sheep. And if he finds it, if he finds it, what's it say? It says that some of them aren't found. If he finds it, I assure you, I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than the 99 that did not go astray. He throws a party, right? Like we, we read that maybe a couple of weeks ago in Luke or John, I can't remember. Same exact parable. And he says he carries the sheep back and then he throws a party with his friends because it's like, man, I found this sheep that was lost. He's so overcome by joy because he's found the one that was lost. I love that because the shepherd's not like, man, when I get you home, I'm going to beat you. He's not like cussing him down the road. I can't believe you idiot. You walked off. You left again. You know, like he's excited that he found the sheep. Doesn't matter why the sheep left, right? 
He's excited that he found the sheep and he throws us a party. He's overjoyed. It doesn't diminish the love for the 99 that he's excited that he found the one. He's excited they're all back together again, that he has all of his possession, that his flock is together. And that's just the story about a shepherd. And you look at that and you're like, Brad, what does that have to do with humility? Right? Because I believe it's written in context. There's a, there's a pathway. There's a story here. These guys come in and they're fighting about who's the greatest. And Jesus is like, mm, humble yourself. Humble yourself. You, you got you to quit making it about you. See, I've come to save people. Let me tell you a story about a shepherd. There's the shepherd who has 99 sheep. You can, you can be part of that. But man, that shepherd, if one of those sheep is missing, is tore up inside. And he's going to go and he's going to look for that sheep. Because he cares about that sheep. It's not about you. He's reminding them in this story that you haven't always been one of the 99. You weren't born into the 99. I've heard people say before, I'm born saved. Yeah, let's talk. Because that's not a biblical idea. We're born into sin. We validate the, the shame of Adam over and over and over again as we choose things that are not God. We are born apart from God, away from God. We, we choose to be away from God over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter why we wandered off, does it? Like we want to sit around and we're going to be like, oh, God saves the people that like wandered off over here, but maybe not the people that wandered off over here. And if you went way over there, there's like not a shot for you. But he never mentions why the sheep wandered off because it doesn't matter. What we know about God is he's looking for sheep and we've not always been part of that. We wandered off and, and, and what happened to, to every one of these men is, is, is God came in the person of Jesus and he found these sheep. Found some of them in a boat. He found some of them in the tax office. But he found all these sheep. And now they're sitting over on the hill, the 99 that have got it together now, or at least pretend to. The 99 that, you know, are the church sheep now. And they're trying to talk about how big of a deal they are. I'm pretty sure he loves me more pretty sure it's all about me i'm pretty sure that church is meant to entertain me and it's meant to make me happy and it's meant to fulfill my needs and it's meant to you know like i'm i'm here because he wants to feed me and you guys are here because you're privileged to be with me and he's like man that's silly it's not about the 99 sitting on the hill it's about the one it's out there somewhere. See, I come to seek and save the lost. And you used to be part of that. That used to be you. And, and you got to remember that. 
Like, don't you remember before? Some of you is more recent for than others, but like, don't you remember before you come to know Jesus? Don't you remember what like your life was like? Don't you remember like maybe you didn't care there was a God? You weren't really like a super immoral person. But you're like, yeah, just whatever God. Or maybe like you, you grew up in church and you knew what God wanted you to do. You knew what God expected. You, you knew that, that he wanted to save you, but you're like, ah, I'm just prideful. I don't want to get up and I don't want to confess that I need Jesus in front of people. Maybe you were out there living in the world, living it up, living big sin, and having a great time. Maybe, maybe that was you. It doesn't really matter what it was, does it? But like whatever it was, we all have a story before Jesus, and maybe some of us are still living in that story before Jesus, but we all have a story before Jesus. And don't we all know the path back? It wasn't like, oh, I, just, I went to church a bunch of times, and I got to be a good person. I go to church all the time, and I'm still not a good person. And it wasn't like I come down here and I said this prayer and I just impressed the socks off of God so he, he, he saved me. It was, I was far away from God. I didn't have a hope or a shot or a chance and he called me anyway. And I'm just privileged to be here. I'm, pr- I'm privileged to be in, in the 99 right now. Like, I'm, I'm just thankful to be in the 99. I'm not a big deal because I shouldn't even be here. Jesus is a big deal because he's the shepherd that came to look for me. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd not only loves and protects and cares for sheep, what does he do? He leads them. Jesus, standing there with these guys with staff in hand, said, I come to save people. That's what I'm going to be doing. I don't need to engage in whatever this is. I don't need to get in your pride festival of like, I'm better than this person and I'm better than this person or I need this thing or I want this thing. I don't care about any of that. You need to humble yourself. Because I, shepherd, leader, person who's doing stuff, I'm going to go save people, and you can come. You can come be part of that. Or you can sit here and argue. You know, you know when churches begin to die? When they begin to argue about stuff that doesn't make any difference? You know why they argue about stuff that doesn't make any difference? Because they don't care beans about the gospel. They never talk about the Great Commission. They're never going to do it. Because it's become about them and not about him. When church becomes a social club or a country club, I paid my dues, now meet my needs. It becomes a place that's devoid of the gospel. How do we know that? Because we never see people saved and we just don't care. Because as long as the music's how I like or the preaching's how I like or the classes are what I need or the programs are what I need or the whatever... 
and I'm happy. And I think what Jesus would say is, I don't really think it's about you. I come to save people. So humble yourself. He goes on just to kind of wrap down the story for us. He says, in the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. He's like, let me just tell you for a second about the will of God. You're worried about your will. Let me just tell you for a second about the will of God. God doesn't care what songs you sing. They're singing songs in heaven that, that you won't even hear till you get there. He didn't come down here to die so you could write more songs. Don't care about songs. Does God listen to our worship? Yes, he does. If it's directed at him with a heart towards him, does he care? Yes, he does. But he's not worried about your song preferences. He's not worried about your Bible choices. As long as it's God's word, it can say whatever over here. Right? Amen? Doesn't matter. See, today it's not about your preferences or your wants or your feelings. I'm sorry. It's not about your pride. It's not about being seen. It's not about being recognized or being noticed. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not about one ounce of that stuff. He says, you want to know the will of my Father in heaven? The first thing you got to do is you got to care. Not like pretend to care. Oh, I want to be pleasing to God. That's what we say when we don't care. God already told us what's pleasing to God. It's not a mystery today what is pleasing to God. It's not a mystery today what God wants from me and you. Not a mystery we like, oh, what does God want for my life? And we, what we mean is what job does he want for us or where does he want us to live or how many stories are going to be in our house or how many cars are going to be in that seven-car garage or should I go to the lake today or should I not go to the lake today? It doesn't, doesn't matter. None of that it really, really matters. Like that's not the sum total of the will of God for your life. We, we try to put it on those things because we've forgotten that the will of God is actually that none of those should perish. Who's the those? Well, everybody. See, he's got sheep out there, right? Like there's sheep today at the Walmart. You maybe didn't know that. Maybe you didn't know that today. There's sheep today at the Walmart and also at the food city and the Kroger and the McDonald's and maybe your house and definitely your neighborhood. There's sheep today there. And God is saying today, here's my will. You want to know my will, church? Here is my will. I don't want any of them to perish. I don't want a single one of them to be lost. I don't want any of those to escape. I don't want any of them to fall in a pit and nobody bother to look down in the pit today. I don't want any of them to get trapped over there on the other hillside with the other flock and nobody bother to go check today. I don't want any of them to go down by the creek and we just forget they're there today. I don't want any of them to go anywhere else. I want every one of them to be found because if they're not found, reality is they perish. 
None of those other shepherds are like me. None of those other shepherds come to save and to seek the lost. None of those other shepherds came to do that. And he's like, here's my will today, church. Nobody gets left out. Nobody gets missed. Nobody gets overlooked. Nobody doesn't get the opportunity to be called back into home, the kingdom of God. That's God's will for you today. God's will today is nobody gets left out. Nobody gets lost forever. And nobody perishes without Jesus. Why? Because he cares. Because they're valuable to him. Because he's lost them and everything in him is like, man, I just want them back. I want them here. I don't want some of the flock. I want the whole flock. I want everybody. I want the whole bride. I want them all. Now, why is he telling these guys this? The same reason in 10 chapters, like not 18, but 28, he says this, go and make disciples. What what is he saying to them? Go find the sheep. Go find the sheep. Here's the will of God for the church today. Go find the sheep. Sing whatever songs you want, but don't forget to go find the sheep. Here's the will of God for the church today. I don't care if it's chairs or pews, doesn't matter to me. Set in whatever you want, but go find the sheep. I I don't care if it's a band or organ today. Listen to whatever, go find the sheep. I don't care what translation he preaches out of, it doesn't matter to me. Go find the sheep. I don't care if the heat and air works or not. Go find the sheep. I don't care if you're in a building or a field. Go find the sheep. I don't, I don't care what color the walls are or the carpet is. Go find the sheep. I don't care about any of that stuff. Here's the will of God for the church today. Go find the sheep. And the reason we don't care today is because we've made it about us. For too long, right? We grew up in church that said it's all about you. It's about your comfort. It's about what you want. And if you don't like it and you complain enough, we'll just change it and we'll change it and we'll change it and we'll change it. That's not church. The church is sheep finding sheep for the shepherd. And he's like, you can play the game if you want. We just want to be pleasing to God. Do you? Because if you did, you'd go find the sheep. We just want God to be lifted up. Oh, do you? Then make his name famous out there, not just in here. I just want God to be glorified. Oh, do you? In here or out there? Like we're, we're everywhere, right? Then go find the sheep, right? Like if this is going to be a year about coming back, it can't just be for us. I want to come back. I want to get close, closer than I've ever been. But I believe in that. God wants me to take other people with me. And he said, you can play church. God will let us play church until we close it down. I believe that 100%. He might let us do it for 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years, 100 years, 150 years. He may let us be here without the spirit of God moving in this place forever. And we may never notice. Or today we could say, you know what I care about more than anything else? Is those sheep that aren't here today with me. 
So I just want to do this today. I know we've got like a jar we pray over. Um, now I'm going to bring that back out. But I just want to pray today that God would give us that heart. That for some of us today, we may actually have to come and we may have to get down and say, you know what, God, I've made it about me. And it's not about me. I want to go find your sheep. Some of us today may have to repent of of that. Some of us today, maybe just, we're going to have to say, God, I don't don't know what I'm doing, but I want to do it. I want to, I want to go find sheep. So I need you. But I just want to invite you today, if if God's speaking and he's saying, you know what? Like, I I want you to engage into the kingdom of God. I want you to not make it about you and and self and preference, but about others. I, I want you to let me use you to do something. If God's saying that to you, I just want to invite you to come pray for whatever reason. Maybe for some of us today, we just need to pray specifically over people that God's put on our heart. If that's you today, I just want to invite you to do that. Maybe you know somebody that needs Jesus. You just need to say to him today, God, I know they're important to you. And God, I need your help. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to do that. Maybe for some of us today, we we are that sheep. We're that one. And we've spent time telling God, you know, you got 99 others, why do you care about me? You've, You've maybe wrestled with, like, why am I important? Why do I matter? You've got caught up in all those details And maybe God's just saying to you today, like, I want you. And I'll take you back. And if that's you today, I just want to give you a moment just to speak to God about that.